Okay, good morning, good Chodesh. Today's daf is daf Chof Aleph. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishma, Sarav Tubia ben Yaakov, Chaim ben Ruben Akoyen, and Avram ben Yaakov. May the Neshomas, Neshomas have an aliyah, and may their memory be a blessing. There's also for a first time of Hanachai Kabas Baba Michla and Yitzchak Yehuda ben Miriam. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, yesterday we ended off discussing Yesterday we ended off discussing um, the concept of mourning with a dear with a close relative who's mourning. I say it's chas v'shalom. Someone's uh, wife's in mourning. Do you mourn with them? Or if someone's uh, son's in mourning, do you mourn with them? That was the that was the uh, that was the discussion we left off with yesterday. So third last slide of Chofam with base twenty B says a Meimar Shochiv lay beray. A Meimar's son had died. Kara Aleho, he did kriya. He did so it was um, sorry Shochale Barbare. His grandson had died and he did kriya. Asabre Kara Ba'apen. When his son came, he did kriya second time. He realized wait, part the purpose of mourning. For another, for a relative's relative, is to grieve with them. So he did kriya when he saw his son. That's grieving with him. And idkar demiushav, and then he realized, wait, he's sitting down. Demiushav kara that he did kriya while sitting. Kom krama umad. So he stood up and he did kriya a third time. So he did kriya to make sure to be yotze. So Gemara asks, Oh, Where do we know that you have to do kriya standing? We see that Amemar um, did kriya when he was sitting, and he realized that he had to do it another time. It didn't count as sitting. So where do we get that from? So Dirsiv, as it's written, by Yokom Iov Ayikrois Meilo. Iov, where this is when Iov heard about the death of his children and he stood up and he tore his cloak it says Elo. so what do we see it says vayokom he got up Elo meato. but wait if that's the case it says but the halachas of chalitza remember chalitza is in a case where the brother-in-law dies without children and the wife has to do yibum and they don't want to do yibum they don't want to be married together so they do chalitza and it says there in the posuk he stands up and he says or standing he says I don't want to take this woman as my yovom so he says are you going to tell me also that chalitza has to be done standing but we learned in a brisa, you can do chalitza, whether sitting, standing, or leaning over. You don't have to be standing. So clearly when the Potsuk says he stands up to do chalitza, it doesn't mean he does chalitza. So, so to Ba'iov, when it says he stood up to do kriya, who says it means? He has to stand up. So doesn't say, and he will stand up and say, he, and he gets got up and he did kriya I don't know, I don't know my dick not good enough and I think v'omad means and he st- could means along the lines of standing and saying not necessarily that he has to stand up to say whereas if it's it means and he will stand up so I, he must make sure to be standing which it doesn't say so chalitza is just saying uh, the normal thing is he'd go before the people and he'd be standing and do chalitza so that's why it uses and he was standing and he says but not that he must stand whereas it says literally and he got up he made a point of standing up 
says Amar Rabbi Amar Rami Bar Chama Minayin the Kriya Shehim Umet Shenema VaYakom Yov VaYikra and we see that Rami Bar Chama also learned this pasuk as the source for doing Kriya standing. So now the Gemara asks, okay, fine. So we brought this pasuk by Eov that he stood up to do Kriya, and that's the source that when doing Kriya, someone must be standing. He says Dilma Milsi Yisirusa Huda Ovid. Maybe, but maybe Eov was going beyond the letter of the law. He was doing something extra. Okay, granted, he did stand up to do Kriya. Maybe that's a uh, not an obligation, not how you have to do Kriya, just a extra thing he did. So the Gemara answers, no, low tamer. Um, and I'll sell to Elo Tamahachi if you don't say that it's extra. We can't learn from what Eov did because he was acting extra beyond the requirement. It says, He tore out his hair. So, you're going to tell me that every mourner has to turn out his hair. So, it can't be that the source is from Eov because there we see that Eov was going, let's call it beyond the letter of the law, as we saw he tore out his hair. So maybe this that he stood up to do Kriya was also beyond the basic requirement. So so it must be from the following Pasuk. This is by David Amelech when he heard that his sons had been killed. Turned out only one of his sons, but he heard that his sons. So Yochum Amelech, Vayikra Esbagadov, the king stood up and he tore his garments. Ah, he stood up to do Kriya. But no. Okay, maybe David was going beyond the basic requirement. And if you don't say it, says, It says that he lay on the ground. So you're going to tell me that you have to, a mourner has to lie on the ground. We know what's the din by a mourner? He doesn't sleep on the ground. He sleeps on his overturned bed. We've seen that a few times. So what's... Uh, so why, why does it say, and David slept on the ground, and now we're going to prove, and it can't be that David slept on the ground instead of turning his bed. Maybe he left his bed as it was, and then he slept. Why? Well, hot time, you will learn to the bride, say, Yoshon, it should be Yoshon, Al-Kabe, Mita, Al-Kabe, Kisa, Al-Kabe, Udunya. He can, if he sleeps on a bed, on a chair, or on a large mortar, he does not fulfill his obligation. What obligation? He does not fulfill the turning over of the bed. I, independent of where you sleep or sit, when a mourner, there's a special requirement to overturn the bed. So don't say that David didn't bother with Kfir Samita and instead he just slept on the floor. No, he had to do Kfir Samita. Once he's done Kfir Samita to turn on the upside, to sleep on the upside down bed, um, then uh, um, then obviously that's how he will sleep. So it's not... So again... Yeah. So, so again, with that, David seemed to go beyond the letter of the law. He slept on the floor instead of sleeping on an overturned bed. So now how are you going to come and learn from David's practices and say, well, you have to do clear standing? Maybe again, that was going beyond the basic requirement. So God says, no, Amalek ain't Arzo. When it says that David slept on the ground, it means he slept, it was like he was sleeping on the ground. Sleeping on an overturned bed is basically the same as sleeping on the ground. And that's what David did. And his, um, his Avelus, we don't see him doing any excessive or um, a practices. Therefore, we can learn from David that you must, one must do Kriya while standing. Okay, Tonra, um now we're going to carry on with Hilchas Avelus. And just to be aware, most of these we learned to source. I don't know if you remember at the, towards the beginning of the parak, where was it? Um, yeah, on Daf, uh, Daf Yud Dalet and Tes Vov. We did the source for most of the 
most of the halachas of the of an oval um, having haircuts, um, wrapping his head, place does he put on tefillin, greeting people, learning Torah, um, laundering clothes, kriya, kriyas, etc. We did many, many of the halachas. Um, interest, so, so the source and where we get them from, that was discussed there. Um, remember, we discussed it in the context of does it also apply to a mitzorah and someone in, khayra, in excommunicated. So that was there. But here, we regarding specifically an ovel. And also note, it's the things that an ovel is not allowed to do, not the things that an ovel must do. We, lo- we know there's a list of things that an ovel must do. For example, as we just saw, turn over his bed. Do Kriya, etc. We're not discussing those things. These are the things that an Ovel must not do. So So, These are the things that an Ovel is also to do. And I think we're also limiting, we're discussing Shiva. But it says, He's forbidden to do work, to wash himself and to anoint himself. And wearing shoes. But also, He's not allowed to read Torah, Nevim, Oksuvim. Not allowed to read Tanakh. Belishno is permission of the midras of a halachos, and he's not allowed to read. Uh, sorry, learn Mishnah, midrash, halachos, Talmud, analyze the Mishnayos, uvagodos, and the and the parables in the. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to translate Hagodos, but the story parts, the parables, the lessons in the in Midrashim. Now, Im Hoyus, so that's the halachas of an Ovel. Just regarding this last one about him learning Torah, it says, If he's the Rosh Hashivah, then he doesn't stop. He's still more. He, he, he can go and give Shir, even though he's an Ovel. Umase, and there was an incident, Umase Benoishal Rabbi Yosi Betzipuri, Rabbi Yossi of Sipori's sons died. He went into the shul and he dashed into the base medrash and he gave drasha. He taught Torah the whole day. So that's what. Um, so, very interestingly, even though an oval is also to learn Torah, if necessary, if he's the Rosh Hashiva, he's the one who gives shir, then he would be allowed to. Um, I haven't seen that, uh, I haven't noticed that practice observed. That the rabbi of the shul still goes and gives the drasha, or you know, or the rosh Shiva. I mean, I know when my, I remember when my father and uncle were in mourning for my grandfather, they didn't give shir during avelus. But I'm not sure, so I'm, I'm can can investigate. But I haven't seen this practice that the rabbi still goes and gives shir. Um, but maybe maybe he should. Um, now, just an interesting thing. Um, Tosos here go into. We know on Tisha B'Av, there are, Tisha, we, we, we seem to be saying there's similar halachas between Tisha B'Av, which is mourning for the Beis Hamikdash, and Avelus for a close relative. And we know on Tisha B'Av, granted, we say that basically the same statement, he's not allowed to learn Torah, there's certain things he is allowed to learn on Tisha B'Av. He's allowed to learn the sad parts of Yirmiyahu, he's allowed to learn Eov, he's allowed to learn uh, interesting if you're allowed to learn this Perek um, of Gomorri. There's sad things that, an, that someone on Tisha B'Av is allowed to learn. So Tosos, very interesting, says, In the response of my, of, I guess my grandfather, Rabbeinu Yitzhak, he writes, Ki Rabbeinu Yaakov, that Rabbeinu Yaakov, I think Rabbeinu Yaakov is Rabbeinu Tam. But it says, Hoyo oiser bimei avelo bimei bimei avelo bimei avelo that it is also while one is a mourner to learn Eov 
kinos and lamentations um, and other bad thing, and the bad things in Yirmiya. Because our Perek doesn't say, except you are allowed to learn. Our Mishnah just says a list of things you're not allowed to learn. And unlike by Tisha B'Av in Tanis, where it says you, you're not allowed to learn Torah, etc., but you are allowed to. And here it doesn't say, but you are allowed to. So it says, then it switches, it says, And in his old age, when he was older, he can actually say, no, you are allowed. You're allowed to learn those sad things. Okay, and he brings the Yushalmi seems to imply that as well. So that's very interesting. Just Rabbeinu, the Rabbeinu Yaakov, as I said, I think it's Rabbeinu Tam, changed when he was young. He said, actually, you're not allowed to because Al-Gomorrah implies that there's no leniency. You're not allowed to learn Torah. And the Gomorrah, and later on, he says that you are allowed to learn Torah. Now, it's just very interesting. Why? One of the main reasons brought that you're not allowed to learn Torah, he says, Pekudi Hashem Yesharim Masam Chaylev. The laws of Hashem are upright and they're glad in the heart. And that's why we don't learn on Tisha B'Av. If that's the case, then in a way it makes sense. The sad things that you're allowed to learn on Tisha B'Av, you're allowed to learn as a mourner. Because they're sad. They don't really uplift your heart because they're so sad and distressing. Eov, the sad things in Yirmiyahu, etc. Um, but why would you say that on Tisha B'Av you are allowed to learn them, but on a mourner is not allowed to learn them? So I heard uh, from Rav Arya Leibovitz that um, on Tisha B'Av, granted, they're Torah. And we know even the sad parts of Torah, you can get caught up in the Torah learning and it's not so sad. Like this parent, we're discussing Avelos, we're discussing excommunication, very uh, tragic topics. But they get interesting. When you're learning it from a, from a Gomorrah perspective, you get caught up in the debate. What you're allowed to do, how far does it extend, when does it apply. So it's like it gets exciting. Um, so all Torah gladdens the heart. However, on Tisha B'Av, those aspects of mourning are actually relevant to Tisha B'Av. And as we've seen elsewhere, that on each festival, you're allowed to learn things regarding that festival. It's actually a mitzvah. Remember we mentioned, um, I think it was how we ended off the last Masechta. Yeah, one of the last things we learned in uh, the last Masechta, Moshe Rabbeinu instructed B'nai Israel that on Sukkot you must learn about Sukkot on uh, on Pesach, you must learn about Pesach. So on Tisha B'Av, you must learn the relevant path to Tisha B'Av. And that's why you're allowed to learn those things. Whereas they're not relevant to private mourning. Those are to do with the destruction. So they're not relevant to private mourning, and therefore they would not apply, and you would not be allowed to learn it as a mourner. That's how he suggested um, to make a distinction why you would say that on Tisha B'Av you can learn them, but on um, the rest of Yom Tov, you would not be allowed to learn them. And then very interestingly, the Rosh brings, he brings a story with Rabbeinu Tam. Um, you know, just to be aware, Rabbeinu Tam is the father of the, Rashi's grandson. He's the father of the Balei Tosvos. I think just to, in, a, in one sentence, we can, his nickname is, um, we know the famous posuk it says, but his name was Yaakov, Rabbeinu Yaakov ben uh, Meir. Um, we know, um, but he's, he's called throughout the Tosvos, Rabbeinu Tam. And we know the posuk by Yaakov is Yaakov Ishtam Yosheva Alim. Yaakov, the simple, the perfect person who dwelt in the tents of Torah. Um, and that's what we say, uh, that's Rabbeinu Tam's nickname. Again, it's not a modern day nickname, it's a nickname that he had already when Tosos was published in the times of the Rishonim. So I think it just, in a way, gives an idea. Not many people get a nickname as Rabbeinu Tam, the, the perfect rabbi. And I think he, uh, a fascinating life. He was a nobleman. He, he lived like a nobleman. He had a 
a palace with knights. He uh, had uh, he was kidnapped, very uh, or nearly kidnapped. Very interesting life. But Rabbi Nutam is like the father of uh, of the Balei Tosos. You can almost say the father of, in a way, the father of uh, Ashkenazi uh, Psak. We don't always follow him, but he's very very influential. So the Rosh brings a story from him, um, a tradition that when he was an Ovel, and he was on, he used to always get Shlishi on Shabbos. And when he was an Ovel, he they didn't call him up, and he got up and he did and he said no, I must go up anyway. He said why? Because for me, who always gets shlishi, if I don't go up on Shabbos for shlishi, that's mourning in public. So he went up and he did his aliyah. But now the question is, um, so what is um, yeah. But we can go back to a basic question. Why is he allowed in shul? Why is a mourner allowed in shul for lading? And why is it a bigger deal for him to go up and get an aliyah? I mean, either he shouldn't be allowed in shul for lading because that's learning Torah. Or if he's allowed in shul for lading, then why couldn't he get an aliyah? So he says very interestingly, um, I think he explained it from uh, Rab Shechta, from a Sefer Nefesh Arav, um, that no, because really... Parts of davening, parts of the standard text said every day a mourner is allowed to say. We don't say that a mourner is not allowed to say Kriyashma. And the parts of davening that are basically Torah learning. A mourner is allowed to say them. Um, but that's because they're part of the daily, or what's said daily. And laning is included in that. However, the one who gets the aliyah, it's as if he's teaching the Torah. And that there's no leniency. There's a leniency to say the standard texts that are said every day, but there's no leniency to get up and just teach Torah to do the to to get an aliyah. And that's why it was a bigger deal for Rabbeinu Tam to go and give the laning. Okay, let's carry on. We're carrying on with the discussion of teaching of uh, the Rav who's needed to go get shir. He says, Rabbi Baba Khana is Rabomilsa, a relative of Rabbi Baba Khana, passed away. So the law may affect He thought he better not go give shir. He's not allowed to learn Torah. And Definitely not allowed to teach Torah. So Omalei, they, they said to him, I'm not sure if it's Omalei Rav or Omalei Rav Tanina. I think it's Omalei Rav. Rav said to him, Tanina, we learned in a Mishnah. If many people, if the Rabbim need him, he's needed to give shir, then he's not allowed to withhold himself. So so he thought, okay, I better get my loudspeaker. How they used to give shir is the Rav would give the shir and he'd have a person with a very loud vo- voice who would repeat it to everyone so all the hundreds of Talmidim, even those in the back, could hear. So he thought to do it in the normal way by getting the Amora. So Amalei Rav, Tanyo Bulvad Shalo Yami Turgaman. It's as long as he doesn't use a Turgaman. So how's he going to do it? He, this uh, Rav, um, Rabbi Barakhana needed him a Turgaman. So he says, no, ki hoda tanya. So do it like the following price. He says, maso meis benoisho rebi Yehuda barilai. The son of Rebbe Yehuda barilai died. Benichnas lebeis hamidrash. And he entered into the base midrash. Benichnas Rebbe Hananya ben Akavya v'yoshav b'tzido. And Rebbe Hananya ben Akavya sat next to him. V'lochash hu l'Rebbe Hananya ben Akavya. And he told over the shir to Rebbe Chananya ben Akavya, Rebbe Chananya ben Akavya, the Turgaman, and Rebbe Chananya ben Akavya to the Turgaman, the Turgaman Ishmael Rabbim, and then the Turgaman said it aloud. So he did it almost with a shinoi, with a way, I guess, to give the shir in the normal way is, I guess, to add to the blender. But he should show that, look, I'm a mourner, I'm not going to give shir in the normal way, so therefore either don't use an Amora, 
a, a, a loudspeaker. But if you are going to use a loudspeaker, then do it in a different way. For example, tell it to someone who will then tell it to the Amora. Okay, now we're going to go into, we've touched on this a few times, um, that the first three days of Avelus are more severe. We've touched on that. We're now going to go into that aloha. We also remember we learned even one opinion holds that unless you mourn for three full for three days, the yontav doesn't cancel it, and you'd have to resume afterwards. So we've seen many times that the let's call it the ikara velus. Obviously, the different levels. There's the first day, which some even hold is doraisa. Then there's the first three days, which, as we're going to see, are a are a key part of the shiva. And then there's the rest of shiva. So says Torah upon Avel Gimel Yomim and Shorim Asulania Tfilin, and Avel is not allowed to put on Tfilin for the first three days. Says Mishlishi Ve'Elech from the third day onwards, Vishlishi Bichlal, and the third day is part of those days. Mutalania Tfilin, he is allowed to put on Tfilin. So Samlin, what is this? This phrasing is very difficult. Just say he's not allowed to wear them for two days, and then I know from the third day he's allowed to put it on. What does it mean? He's, he's not allowed to put on for three days? But from three days onwards, he is allowed to put on. So some learn that's what it means. He can put on for two days. He can't put on for the first two days, but on the third day, he can put on. And others learn no. What it's actually saying is he has to not put on his tefillin for a little bit on the third day. He has to keep that for a little bit. Now remember, they used to wear their tefillin the whole day. So when would you put on your tefillin? You'd put on your tefillin as you're getting dressed, basically before sunrise and you'd wear them the whole day so according to this you'd have to wait for a little bit after sunrise on the third day to put them on okay but that's a discussion now if new people come he doesn't have to remove them I, they won't necessarily know that he's already been mourning and he hasn't been wearing his tefillin so he but he still doesn't have to remove them if you sure on there says no it's only for the first two days that he's not allowed to put on tefillin and and from the second day onwards, with the second day included, he's allowed to put on tefillin. Aye, the only time he does not wear tefillin is on the first day of mourning. However, if new people arrive, then he does remove his tefillin. So we have a machloikas. Does the oval not wear his tefillin, let's just say for all intents and purposes, for the first two days, or just for the first day of mourning? But it is tied into the third day or the second day somehow. So Omar Amasna, my time with Rebbe Lezer. What's the reason for Rebbe Eliezer? Again, Rebbe Lezer says he doesn't wear tefillin for three days. He says, Or for, for two days. So he says, They finish the days, days, Yemei, it's in plural, of crying and mourning for Moshe. Omar Rav. In my time at Rabbi Shua, what's the source for Rabbi Shua? This um, is, I mean, this is important to be aware. It's speaking about the troubles that will befall someone who's um, who are afflict the poor people, and his morning, he will have a bitter day. So, so we see that the primary morning is for one day. A bitter part of the morning is for one day. For Rabbi Yeshua, Nami Hoxi, Vayamitu, Yamei, etc. Now, Rabbi Yeshua said it's one day because we learn it from Yomar. But didn't it say by Moshe at least two days? It says, shiny Moshe, No, Moshe was different because it was an extra strong morning. The grief for Moshe Rabbeinu extended for two days. But most people, it's only one day. This, this in, 
this extreme group. Since for Rebbe Eliezer, Nami Hoxiv Achrisot Kiyomar. On a contrary, Rebbe Eliezer, doesn't it say that the bitterness will be for one day? So why does he extend it? He says, no, he says, yeah, the primary bitterness is for one day, but the primary availus is for three days. Omar Ula, Ula says, Halacha Kerebileza Bechalitza, Halacha Kerebishua Bechanocha. The Halacha is like Rebbe Eleza regarding taking off the Tefillin. Remember, Rebbe Eleza says, if new people come to the morning house, you don't have to take off your Tefillin. But the Halacha is like Rebbe Yeshua regarding putting on Tefillin, I that you put on tefillin on your second day of mourning. You don't have to wait for the third day, like Rabbi Eliezer said. Now, Iboy Lehu, they asked him, On the second day, according to Ula, does he remove his tefillin or not? Now, what's the question? Remember, Rabbi Eliezer says we're discussing the third day. And there it said, if you put on tefillin, you don't have to remove them. Rabbi Yeshua, we said, Ula said the halach is like Rabbi Yehuda, like Rabbi Yeshua. That you're putting on your tefillin on the second day. So is he saying literally, so are we going like Rabbi Eliezer, that on the second day he would have to remove his tefillin, but from the third day onwards he would not have to remove his tefillin? Exactly like Rabbi Eliezer said, only from the third day. Or do we take the principle of Rabbi Eliezer, that even when you have to, even on the first or second day, you don't, uh, sorry, well, the first day you don't, even on the second day, the principle of Rebbe Lezer is once you're allowed to put on your tefillin, you don't have to take them off, even if a new person comes. So which one is it? Is it, again, following the specific point that Rebbe Lezer says, that only from the third day onwards, you do not have to remove your tefillin if you put them on and new mourners come, and no, new people come to grieve with the mourner, to console the mourner, he doesn't have to? Or... Um, that's the, the one we're looking at. Or the second way, as we mentioned, is no, we take the principle that once you're allowed to put on your tefillin, you don't have to remove them. And the nafkamina would be on the second day. According to Rabbi Ulu, who Paskin like Rabbi Yeshua, you're allowed to put your tefillin on the second day. But do you have to take them off or not? If someone new comes. So, Toshma. Ulu says, Ulu says you have to take off and remove your t- and p- replace them even a hundred times. Says now, what's that saying? Says now, if now it can't be speaking about the third day, because he definitely Ulu definitely said that Allah is at least like Rabbi Lezer in that case that you have to be putting on your tefillin and you don't have to remove them. And it can't be speaking about the first day because everyone agrees you don't put on tefillin. So it must be the second day. And we see Ulla saying that if someone new comes, you have to remove your tefillin. Again, this isn't when they would um, put on their tefillin. But, and, they, and that would be, according to this, the halacha is that, uh, I don't know exactly how we pass him, but according to this, um, if new people come, you would have to remove your tefillin on, on the second day. You'd have to take off your tefillin and then you'd have to put them back on and then when he leaves and then if someone new comes you'd have to take them off again even a hundred times and Tanya Nami Hachi Yehuda Ben Taima Oimer Choyleitz Uminiach Afilu Mayapa Omim you have to take off and put on your tefillin even a hundred times Rava Omer Kibin Shinia Shuvayna Choyleitz and Rava says and I think this is how we pass can well let's see a bit further over the page Rava says Kibin Shinia Shuvayna Choyleitz once you have removed your tefillin you don't have to put them back on but wait, earlier on when we were discussing Yom Tov cancelling the festival, Rava said that the halacha is like Al Mishnah, that 
unless he kept three days of mourning, he has to resume his shiva after the festival. We see Rover is of the opinion that the three days are the primary days of mourning. So why does Rover not agree with the opinion of this, the opinion of Rebbe Lezer that you have to you you don't put on your tefillin for three days, and only from the third day onwards do you put them on? He shouldn't be passing like Rebbe Yeshua that you don't have to put your tefillin on only on the first day. And from the second day onwards, you can. So Gemara answers, no, mitzvah shiny. To do a mitzvah is different. I, yeah. Regarding cancelling Shiva, Rava, Paskin, like our Mishnah, the first three days are the Ikar. But to do the mitzvah, putting on the tefillin, that you should do already from the second day of morning. Um, interesting. So according to Rava on this, once you've put on your tefillin, you don't have to remove them. Okay. Um, Yo, Tonra Abonan. We learned in a brisa. Avel Gimel Yomim Marishani also bela melacha. Afil Anu Hamispanis Minatzadaka. On the first three days of mourning, an Avel is not allowed to do work, and even if he's a poor person who lives off tzedaka, mikan va'elech oisa betzina. From the from then onwards, he's allowed to do work in private, but toch in his house. Ve'ishut fear be'palach, but so beiso and a woman ideally should spend. Uh, with a wheel using a using a can spin even in the normal way using a spindle but in our house so let's just discuss there are quite a few points on this to discuss the first one that by the fact that it says that an oni whose mafana is from tzedakah can do work from the third can it says you can't do work for the first three days if you're an, even an oni but from the fourth day from then onwards he can that implies only an oni someone who needs the parnosa a wealthy person or someone who does not need the parnosa would not be allowed to work during the whole of shiva that's the first point a second point is that the rosh brings from the ishami i don't know why i didn't bring it earlier but i guess because it's in this discussion but the rosh brings um, a so fascinating from the ishami says why are the first three days more severe and more strict than the other three days okay we alluded to um we are where do we get that these first three days are the Ikar days of mourning. So he says, very interesting from the Yushalmi. That's something I wouldn't have expected, uh, not from the cap, except from the Kabbalists. But he says, because the first three days, the Neshama hovers by the body, thinking about or wanting to return to the body. From the third day onwards, when the, body, when the face starts to change, lose its radiance, I don't know how to express it, um, the, the, the face starts to change, then the Neshama departs. So that's why the first three days the Neshama is actually closer by and there's that added intense uh, mourning and that's why these halachas, a lot of these halachas are stricter within the first three days of mourning. And he brings an interesting nafkamina. Is remember we said yesterday, what happens if someone, yeah, the, yeah, the Chassam Sofa brings an interesting nafkamina. Remember yesterday we learned if someone hears about the passing of a relative within 30 days. So let's say on day 20, since the relative died, he hears about it. He has to keep Shiva Vishloshim. He has to keep uh, full Shiva and Shloshim. As long as he hears about the death of his relative within 30 days, he has to keep both Shiva Vishloshim. So the Chassam Sofer says, but since the reason the Rosh brings is because the, the th- first three days of mourning are extra strict, that would not apply, the first three days being stricter would not apply in that case, because the three days have already passed, and the Neshama is not there anymore, the Neshama is also departed. So that's why, um, 
are left to Alam Haba. But that's so that's why uh, you wouldn't have to. So so that's why he says for Shmua Karova within thirty days. The, the whole of Shiva is the same. You don't have the stricter first three days. And then another um, another thing, what, why does it mention that a woman should do spin, uh, you spin with a spindle? It says because that's the most, that's a very subtle, uh, concealed, um, discreet malacha, a work. And that's why ideally you should try to do something that's discreet that people aren't going to notice. But if not, then it would be fine. Okay, let's carry on. Tonra Bonan Ovel Gimel Yonia Harishonim Eino Hoylech Lebeisa Ovel Mikan Veilech Hoylech Veino Yoshel Bamokom Hamenamchim Ela Bamokom Hamisnanchim. For the first three days, while someone's in Avelos, he should not go visit another house of mourning. From then onwards, he can go to a house of mourning, but he mustn't sit with those comforting others. He must sit with the mourners themselves, those who are being comforted. Again, he's not allowed to play the role as someone who comforts people while he's in Shiva. A mourner in the first three days is not allowed to greet people. Okay, again, it's a big discussion. Does it mean specifically to use the phrase Shalom? What if you just want to wish someone good morning? Most seem to hold that would not really count as greeting as this aspect of Sha'ilat Shalom, but we'll just call it greeting someone. So an Ovel is not allowed to greet someone. From three days, from after morning for three days till the end of Shiva, he doesn't greet people, but he can respond. If someone greets him, he can respond. From then onwards, from after Shiva, he can greet people normally. Now we're going to just analyze it. We said that for the first three days, he's not allowed to greet people. It says, It happened when Rabbi Akiva's son died Yisrael, or sons of Rabbi Akiva died Yisrael, all of Bnei Israel entered Vizpidom, Hesbet Godol, and they made a great eulogy for him. And Bishas Bittirosan, when everyone was leaving, Omar Rabbi Akiva al-Safsal, Rabbi Akiva Godol, Rabbi Akiva stood on a large bench for Omar and he said, Achenu Bais Yisrael, Shomu, listen, my brothers of the house of Israel, Afilu Shnei Bonim Chatonim Unochim Hu, Afilu Shnei Bonim Chatanim, even if it was two sons who were married died. I am comforted from you. Because of the great honor that you have shown. There was a huge, uh, a huge crowd, a large eulogy. It was very respectful. And if you just came because I'm Akiva. There are many people with the name Akiva in the marketplace. Oh, why was there such a big gathering? The reason you came was because of the Torah of Hashem in my heart. Um, so, so he's saying, Rabbi Akiva says, I realize that the reason you've come is out of respect for the Torah that I have. He says, Ah, Kofel, your reward should be doubled. Again, you've comforted me, you've think, you, but you've also shown Kovara Torah by coming. He says, We see that Rabbi Akiva greeted, offered them a greeting, Shalom. Says no, covered rabbi shiny, giving honor, giving showing respect to the community is different. So you're right; an individual can't greet, 
But if it's to the public, it's to show respect to the public, he would be allowed. From three until seven, he's allowed to return a greeting. Uh, if someone greets him, he can respond, but he doesn't initiate a greeting. From then onwards, he can greet normally. Says Beriminu, they raise the contradiction. If someone meets his friend who's a mourner and it's within 30 days, it's in Shloshim. He can speak, he can uh, comfort him and give him condolences. But he doesn't greet him. But after 30 days, he can greet him, but he's not allowed to offer condolences. We'll see why shortly. But again, what do we see? We said that from 30 days on, we said from Shiva he can greet normally the Ovel. And this price says, no, even during Shloshim he shouldn't greet him. Uh, sorry, and the price continues. If his wife died and he married another woman, he's not allowed to, people are not allowed to go and offer him comfort within Shloshim. Um, so again, if one's wife dies, so he got remarried within Shloshim, people are not allowed to go offer him comfort. And the reason is because it causes a lot of uh, anguish to the new wife. If she's constantly reminded of the death and the thing of this man's previous wife, who now she's married, it will cause a lot of anguish. Anguish, and therefore he's not allowed to. It says, If he finds his friend in the marketplace, I, who's just got... He lost his wife, but it's just got remarried. He can, with seriousness, and uh, um, he can speak to him softly and with seriousness. But again, he shouldn't make it um, public. Now, however, the key point for us is that the Bryce has said that within Shloshim you don't greet a mourner. And therefore, we should say, Kolshakain, the Oval himself, should not initiate greeting. But the Bryce that we first quoted said, once Shiva is over, the mourner is allowed to greet. In the normal manner. So Omar Abidi Baravin, who shall be shalom acherim, he can extend greetings to other people, shacherim shruim be shalom, because they are at peace. So shalom, a mourner to offer peace to other people is not in contrast to how they're living, they're at peace. However, acherim ain't shalom be shalom, however, other people can't greet him because he's not be shalom, he's not at peace. So interesting enough, this is counterintuitive. We would have thought that it's worse for the Ovel to initiate the greeting. But according to this, it's actually not such a problem for the Ovel to initiate the greeting because to extend Shalom to another person, well, they're in Shalom. It's not uh, a contrast to their life. Whereas for them to greet the mourner, it is a contrast. But from the fact that it says he can respond implies that people can greet him. We said that the mourner can respond, a greeting. That implies that someone greeted him first. But according to this, you're not allowed to greet the mourner first. He says, no, the loyota, it's someone who did not know that he was mourning. Oh, Well, then, so too, what difference does it make whether it's the first three days or later on? If the people didn't know and they offered him greeting, why can't he extend the greeting? So he says, no, Hossam, within the first three days, modalahu, v'loimaharalahu. He, he informs them why he's not greeting them and he doesn't greet them. So when someone greets a mourner within the first three days because they didn't know he was in mourning, what does he say to him? He says, I'm sorry, I'm in mourning. However, 
but after three days, he doesn't have to inform them, he can return the greeting. Just before we go further, interesting question. So the Gemara discussed the case of a man who got married within Shloshim. You're not allowed to get married in Shloshim, Tosas asks this question. So, um, so he says there are a few... Um, it's elaborated, Tosos brings that, he elaborates that elsewhere, but just two answers that are given. One is that you, if, he, if he has small children, you need to be looked after, so you can marry a woman so that they have a mother. Another possibility is a man who doesn't have any children and he needs to fulfill the mitzvah pruravu, then they, they allowed him to get married within Shloshim. Again, Tashmich HaMitzvah would still be awesome, but he would be allowed to get married. Okay, um, but again, so this is the the contrast, the cases of when he would be allowed to greet and return a greeting, very surprised, again, counterintuitively, it's worse for someone to greet an oval than for the oval to extend greeting, as we saw. And then also, but, and if someone doesn't know that he's in mourning and they greet him from once, he's been mourning for three days, he can respond. Um, now we're going to go, we mentioned in the Bryce that after 30 days, after Shloshim, one can greet the mourner, but he can't console him, offer condolences. So Viriminu, they raised a contradiction to that. He says, If it's within 12 months, you can, you can't, um, you find your friend mourning and it's within 12 months, you can offer him condolences and you don't greet him. After 12 months, then you can greet him, but you don't offer condolences. Now, Aval you can indirectly inquire about it and how he's doing about the loss of his relatives. But again, what do and Rabbi Omar Rabbi says if someone does offer condolences to his friend after he's been mourning for twelve months, the what's it similar to? Someone who broke their leg and it healed. And then a, do- a doctor comes to him and says, There, let me break your leg and I'll heal it. So you see how wonderful my, uh, um, my healing is. I, again, someone broke their leg and they healed and they go to the doctor and the doctor says, yeah, Let me break your leg again to show you how wonderful my curing is. That's what someone who's been mourning after 12 months, someone who offer condolences, they tear open an old wound. And that's uh, very uh, harsh and unpleasant for him. Um, and that's why you don't offer condolences, proper condolences, after 12 months. Because you're opening an old wound. Um, so, so, but again, what, why did we bring this up? Because we said, once it's 30 days, you don't offer condolences. And you greet him normally. But now we say, no. Up to 12 months, you can offer condolences. So he says, This is with his mother and father, and this is with all other relatives. Now, after Shloshim by other relatives, why can't you console them indirectly? Again, you can't offer straightforward condolences, but you can do it indirectly, like we said by a parent after 12 months. He says, No, you're right, you can. And this, that it said, you're not allowed to offer condolences. That means in the normal way. You can do it in an irregular way. You know, let's leave this next sugya for 
tomorrow. So just in, in short, this last point was to do with greeting. Um, with, with greeting, again, there's a difference. The mourning for a parent continues for 12 months. So, so too regarding the halachas, regarding offering, offering condolences and greeting someone would apply within the 12 months, whereas for other relatives it would be just until 30 days. We saw astringency, shiva is stricter. And the first three days of the strictest that you don't even, if someone greets the mourner, he doesn't even respond. He says, I'm in mourning, I don't greet people. But from the three days onwards, if someone greets him, then he can respond and return the greeting. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.